Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and happy Thursday night to you. We are getting the weekend started early on late night hoops. It's August, there's preseason football going on, there's baseball going on, but for you passionate hoops followers and for those that follow me the closest, you know that where I am right now in New Jersey, that is the coverage area that I've been mainly focusing on here and for collegehoopsdigest.com. Started out being the Seton All Beat reporter and still on that every Pirates men's and women's game as well as Big East basketball. Well, tonight we're focusing on the Big Ten and then the Big East Seton Hall going back close to home. Here to give you the expertise on that. And at 11.05, we're going to welcome in Jerry Carino from NJ Hoops Haven and Gannett, the longtime college basketball reporter for both the Seton Hall Pirates and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And why are we talking about these two programs and this area, the metro area tonight? Folks, the way that it looks going into 2015-16, here is the word that I will use heading into these upcoming, uh, this upcoming season for those two programs. And then all of the programs in the area. I'm talking St. John's here. Uh, I'm talking uh, Manhattan, Iona. I'm going to use this word, and it's not, look, it's not a word that uh, you haven't heard of. I'm going to say this intense. Intense for different reasons. Why for Seton Hall and Rutgers, the Pirates have rising talent, and now they need results. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are looking to find answers to several questions. St. John's has Chris Mullen. That's intense, that's in. Manhattan and Iona. Whew, the battle in the math between these two, as the Jaspers have done it two straight years. That's intense. There's no lack of drama in this area. And that's another word. The highs and the lows. We've seen it here. Rutgers in year one of the Big Ten, Look, they had an outstanding upset win over Wisconsin, but they just haven't put, uh, and it doesn't look like that they're going to put anytime soon, that's the consistent team out there that can compete in the rest of the Big Ten. Seton Hall goes to number 19. The country can't finish. They just fell. But they've got Angel Delgado back, and he's the best big man in the Big East Conference. I don't think he'll get the preseason on a re. I think it'll go to Daniel Sheffield. But here's my thoughts. We're going to welcome Jerry Carino in 11.05. I'm John Fanta with Late Night Hoops. Follow us on Twitter at John underscore Fanta and at NCAA Hoops Digest. And here's my thoughts on this. Okay. In the Big East Conference this upcoming year, Villanova is still the top team in the league. You can argue with that, but I'm sorry you're not right. After them, it's the Georgetown Hoyas with Devontae Smith-Rivera back, with uh, Isaac Copeland rising. He looks like a fantastic all-around player. Uh, Trey Campbell, among others. After that, it's 
the Butler Bulldogs, quite arguably, with Roosevelt Jones and Kellen Dunham. I think one of the most underrated duos in not only the league. Uh, they, they, they might be the best duo in the league. That's one of the most underrated duos in the country. Remember Brandon Miller's team. They're for real. Okay, fourth, um, I will go. It, it's a toss-up between Xavier and Providence. The Musketeers with Jalen Reynolds, with uh, my name is Miles Davis. And then Providence with Gun Mania. Folks, going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year in the Big East Conference. The sixth spot is up for grabs. It's like a massive rat hunt. Or a mouse hunt. I think that was a movie. We'll have to ask Jerry Carino about that. The sixth spot is going to be a wild goose chase. That's what it's going to be. Who's going to take it? Well, you can argue Marquette. You can argue Seton Hall. Could Creighton with transfer Cole Huff coming in, among other transfers. Um, and Greg McDermott get on track. Don't see it. DePaul with Billy Garrett and Dave Leto in his uh, first season back. Uh, St. John's is a complete unknown and likely in for an off year. But nonetheless, here's the thing with the John. Bright future under Chris Mullen and watch out for this program. They may have their speed bumps. Those are going to come. But this is still a team that could they, – they could get to the NIT. Best-case scenario entering this upcoming year, I think it has to be that, and you never know. You never, ever know. And with that, I welcome in my guest. And we're talking all things in New Jersey basketball and beyond the Big East, the Big Ten. It's May, it may be August. But at the same time, there's never a bad time to talk about college basketball. We've been on this week talking late-night hoops. And this time we're talking it with the great Jerry Carino of NJ Hoops Haven of Gannett. Jerry, how's your summer been? John, it's been great. And I don't care that college football training camps have begun. Notre Dame could set up shop in my front yard playing football, and I couldn't care less. This is about <laughs> college it's about college hoops, baby, and we're about six, six, seven weeks away from the start of practice, and I'm counting the days, as I know you are. It is crazy to hear you say that, but I'm with you on that, Jerry. I love hearing that because it's not crazy because you are the college basketball guy around these parts, and that's why we have you on the show, and we thank you so much for taking some time out of your night. And, Jerry, I, I start with this. Seton Hall and Rutgers, both these programs uh, trying to not only rise up but keep it consistent. Jerry, look at these two programs. What are the similarities? What are the differences entering this upcoming year? Well, the similarities are they're both really disappointed with the way they finished last season. I mean, Rutgers lost 15 straight games, you know, one away from a school record losing streak. Um, Seton Hall, you know, after collapse after being ranked in the top 25, didn't make the NIT a rarity. And uh, so, yes, the, 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 the similarities are they're both coming off very disappointing finishes, to put it nicely. Uh, what's different is, you know, well, two things are different. Uh, Seton Hall has more, has more proven talent. Uh, their nucleus is better. 
and they have players who have had some success, whereas Rutgers is really a blank slate after losing, you know, the two players who did everything for them. Um, and then the other difference is Seton Hall is, you know, much further along in Kevin Willard's regime, so the sense of urgency is going to be high. Not that Eddie, not that Eddie Jordan is, is you know, is still in his honeymoon in year, going into year three, but going into year six, the sense of urgency is high. So the spotlight is brighter for Seton Hall. The upside is probably brighter for Seton Hall. I think that's probably the biggest difference. But both teams with a ton to prove. Jerry Carino is our guest from NJ Hoops, Haven and Gannett. Jerry, why does Rutgers right now have no direction? Well, I mean, you have, this, you know, this, there's no recent history of success. Um, you know, Eddie Jordan took over a total rebuild at a place where, you know, basketball is a, you know, is a distant second fiddle to football. You could argue a third fiddle behind women's basketball. Um, the facilities get in bad shape. And you have, you know, all new faces. So what leadership is there on the court? That's a question mark. Um, and, you know, Eddie still has to prove that he can he can make the full adjustment from the pro game to the college game. Now, he seems to be recruiting better. So that's a start. But, I mean, it's just they don't have a whole lot going for them. I mean, what they have is, is the, the possibility of some of some new talent. And that's what you hang your hat on. They have a Corey Sanders they have a Deshaun Freeman. They have two talented new pieces. But, uh, you know, it's just there is there's not much there in terms of things you can point to and say, well, this is this person has proven this on the college level. So that's why it's they're they're really starting from the bottom and they're gonna be the last you know, the last place team in the preseason projections for the Big Ten hands down. Jerry said the word facility somewhere Vivian Stringer's ears are ringing right now. And, uh, Jerry, you know what I'm talking about. It seems like every week, every week, every week during last season, uh, Miss Stringer does not let her voice uh, be quiet, really. She is not afraid to be heard, but you know what? Her success backs it up. And, hey, a week one matchup with Seton Hall should be fun and Walsh amazing. Good for NJ women's basketball. Maybe we'll get to that later on in the show. Let's turn the page to Seton Hall. Jerry, I compared it, I said a wild goose chase, I said a mouse hunt. I think that the goal has to be a realistic goal. It looks like Villanova, Georgetown, Butler at the top of the Big East Conference. After that, you've got to go Xavier Providence, ideally, uh, if I'm a sane man. The sixth spot, it seems like it's very realistic. It's got to be a goal to try to get that by in the Big East tournament. I know it's so, so early to talk about this, but your thoughts on where the Pirates go here heading into year two with this outstanding, well, what was supposed to be an outstanding class that has shown flashes. Uh, what's the story here? Well, I heard your I heard your rankings. I think that's, I mean, it's reasonable people can debate, but there's no question Villanova is the class of the league until proven otherwise, um, returning four out of their top six players. And then, yeah, I, I think, you know, Georgetown, I would put Xavier in there. I would move them up. Um, I think they're they're comparable to Georgetown and Butler, I would put them as a two, three, four, and a toss-up. Providence is a solid five with the best player in the league, Chris Dunn, who I think is going to be a first-team All-American. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, it's, it is open. Uh, if you want to, if you want to be an optimist and play the, the high-end game, I think sixth is a reasonable, optimistic uh, projection for Seton Hall. <clears throat> you know, does sixth place get them to the NCAA tournament? Probably not. It's probably an NIT spot. 
But, I mean, Marquette did hammer them at the end of last year. <clears throat> Marquette showing a lot of promise. You could probably argue Marquette's six feet in all seven. Uh, you know, Creighton, maybe seven, eight. If you wanted to be a pessimist about Seton Hall, you could say Creighton, seven, Seton Hall, eight, maybe. Uh, St. John's and DePaul at the bottom. St. John's has to be last. I mean, there's a total rebuild from zero. And maybe they'll be very good in short order with Chris Mullen and the staff he has. But for now, they have to be last. So Seton Hall, sixth, seventh, eighth, somewhere in there. There's a big difference, of course. Eighth, you know, your, your, your season's done. Sixth, you have a chance to play on in March. Um, they have – John, Seton Hall has the nucleus. They have a talented nucleus. There's ability there. Uh, you know, we, Angel Delgado was rookie of the year. Isaiah Whitehead, before he was hurt, showed the flashes of being in McDonald's All-American. Uh, Kadeen Carrington had very good moments and supposedly had a terrific summer. So that's three strong Big East players you can build around. And then there's questions. I mean, you have some role players. Derek Gordon will be a terrific high-level defender. Um, and then we'll have to see, you know, does uh, does Desi, uh, does he... Does he adjust to maybe being a, more of a wing than a, than a power forward? Does, can Brayden Anderson step in and hold down the fort uh, next to Delgado in the front court? I mean, these are question marks. Can anybody in the, beyond those top six, are any of those guys ready to play at a Big East level? Can Veer Singh be consistent with his outside shot? If he's going to have a big role, someone's got to hit a shot to them. So there's a lot of question marks. There's a, there's a talented nucleus, so there's optimism there. There's a lot of question marks outside the nucleus, front court depth. Um, I mean, front court depth in general, and um, can these guys play together, which they didn't do last year. So, I think that's what it is. It's very much of a mixed bag, and that's why you, you see sixth, seventh, or eighth for them. One way that they could go beyond what even optimistic people say is by really surprising people in the Big East and taking advantage and cashing in on the non-conference schedule, which they've scheduled tough, Jerry. How much could that benefit them? And your thoughts on that schedule? Yeah, finally, it's a long time coming, John. I mean, it's it's been. I was a young man the last time they scheduled well in non-conference. Um, didn't have all this gray hair. Uh, yeah, they they had to do this, and you know, with the Big East being much weaker than it was, and that's not a that's not a uh, that's not a criticism. It's just a fact. With the Big East being so much weaker than it was when it was this great super conference. They had no choice. I mean, you had to schedule up, and you know, scheduling takes it takes a couple years to get the home and home to get to get teams in position. Finally, they have it. Now, this schedule is good. It could be really good if Seton Hall beats Long Beach State in the first round of that tournament in Charleston. Because if you beat Long Beach State, you're going to get Virginia. Virginia is a top five national team. I think they might be the second or third best team in the country. Um, you could make a case for them to be two, maybe one. Probably North Carolina's one going into the season. So Virginia. You want to crack at them. It's a no-lose situation. And then your strength of schedule comes way up. Your experience of playing them is, is a benefit to you later. So if you lose to Long Beach State somehow, Seton Hall should win that game. Then you get you get a, a Bradley team that had nine wins last year, and then you're in a crappy consolation bracket. So there's a lot riding on that, beating Long Beach State. If they do that at the Hall, the schedule is very good. So you have um, Wichita State, top 15 team, maybe top 10, coming into your building, okay, the week before Christmas on a Saturday, you know, in the afternoon. Should be an amp crowd for that. Uh, and you have a Georgia team that's very good. That's an NCAA tournament team coming in Thanksgiving weekend. So you got that. I mean, those are two, you know, one marquee and one very good home game. You're going to be at CW, which is a nice road test 
I've been there, John. It's a great road environment, and that team's pretty good. They're well coached. That league is very good. So, you know, you, and you're at Rutgers, you're going to play a rivalry game, we're playing a Big Ten team. So there's, yes, there's a good schedule for Seton Hall, and they do have a chance to do two things. One is really improve their RPI in that schedule, and two is they really have a chance to get better. I know I was in the minority with this last year, John. I don't feel like that tournament where they went 3-0 and in the Virgin Islands, I don't feel like that helped them get a lot better in the long run. It was nice to win. It's good to feel good about yourself. But getting better means playing top teams, even if you lose a tough game. And this year's Seton Hall schedule puts them in a position to get better. And that's something to be yeah, optimistic about. No question. How fair do you think it is to say, Jerry, that I was one to say this last year. Um, look, we both agreed uh, not having captains was something that uh, puzzled us a little bit, <laughs> to say the least. But here's the other thing. The incoming freshmen, all they knew how to do, and when they were getting those big-time wins in, in that week over uh, St. John's and Villanova, historic week that it was, first time back-to-back 15 wins since the 90s, uh, Jerry, how fair is it to say that this young freshman class, when they began to lose, that simply they didn't know how to handle losing? Yeah, that I, mean, yeah, I think that's obvious that's what happened. And that's why you need you need upperclassmen leadership from the upperclassmen. And, you know, well, I think the great tragedy of last season was that Seton Hall had the potential to have that. Uh, I think they had, they had personalities. They had people who could have provided that. But for whatever reason, and again, this is my opinion, is that those upperclassmen were not empowered, properly empowered to lead. And so... You know, they weren't in the position to exert leadership and steady the ship when things got rough. I mean, I don't blame I don't blame freshmen for going through blues and for struggling and for, you know, reacting badly to losses when they've won their whole life. That's unless you're, you know, Carl Towns, that's part of being a freshman. That's what happens. And Yeah. So the leadership needs to be there to steady the ship. It wasn't there. My opinion is it wasn't there because it wasn't properly empowered. I think it was there and not utilized properly. Who will lead the this year's team? I mean, we'll have to see. It kind of, you know, yes, you bring in two fifth-year guys who've seen it all, who are good guys, who can, you know, and Derek Gordon and Brady Anderson who can help steady the ship. Yes. But can a guy come, can a guy come in out of the blue and really lead? They can help lead, but can they lead when they're new to a program? I don't know. I think this, this is a sophomore's team. They're going to have to lead. They're going to have to grow up and, and take the reins. And, and if they can do that, then Seton Hall takes another step closer to being you know, maybe in that middle of the pack in the Big East and toward the back of the pack. Jerry, where do you stand on Isaiah Whitehead? I'm one to say, look, stress fracture injury, you just don't come back from that and become automatic. He had that outstanding game against Xavier last year. They won a wild game. The Rock was rocking for a game against Xavier. There were 9,000 people there, 90 to 82. That was absolute craziness. Uh, there were also three double technicals, I might add, in that in that <laughs> game. Uh, interest, in, interesting, interesting crew that features some names that I won't bring up tonight. Nonetheless, uh, he well, comes back. He goes off. Ev- um, yeah, a guy by, with the last name of Stevens uh, had that game. Oh, okay, Nonetheless, uh, I'll move on, uh, Jerry. You, you look at that game, and everybody then said, "I even said, I'm like, this is a tournament team. They just beat Xavier 982." They're right, right there. They've got Whitehead back. Where does this kid stand here in your eyes? Because everybody had him hyped. 
um, has that injury. Where are you right now with him? I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do as a point guard. I expect I expect him to get the ball uh, and run the offense, and I think that that makes the most sense. You don't have a pure playmaking point guard per se, but you know Isaiah Whitehead showed some of those instincts last year. He's a terrific passer, and so you know let's see him in the full time point guard role. It's, it's time. It's, it's your roster demands it, and so put the ball in his hands and see what he can do. And uh, you know it should that should be exciting because the result of that could be really good. Or maybe it takes him time to grow into that role, and he's not quite ready, and he's going to have to take some lumps. We don't know. We'll have to see. But, he, you know, he's – listen, he's the face of the program now. Him and, and Angel Delgado together. But really, Whitehead, because of his local roots and because of his pedigree. And there were times last year when he was brilliant. How much did the injury, you know, knock him down affect him? Probably to a decent degree, okay? It knocked him out of his rhythm. It, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't – the conditioning suffered coming back after so much time off his foot? I don't know. Certainly, it has to, you have to factor that in. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, there's no reason not to believe that he can't be uh, – there's no reason, you know, to, to, uh, to, to think that he can't be really good based on what we saw of him in flashes, based on his pedigree coming into college. So, he's a sophomore. He had nothing else freshman year. He had a big injury. Let's see what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I think it can be very good. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see what he can do. I think Seton Hall fans should be excited about him, too. Jerry Carino is our guest from NJ Hoops, Haven, and Gannett. A couple more minutes with Jerry. We thank him so much. You're listening to Late Night Hoops here on College Hoops Digest Radio. Jerry, you've covered a lot of disastrous stories. You've covered a lot of feel-good stories. NJIT, what the Highlanders have done, getting into the Atlantic Sun. Among your feel-good stories in college basketball, where does that got to rank? Oh, it's it's right it's right near the top. I mean, absolutely um, terrific, um, terrific story. I mean, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. I mean, if you if you have a pulse and you watch college basketball, you know it doesn't get any better than that. Here's a team that was totally off the grid, you know, a modern day independent, which is like it's totally unheard of, and uh, and they make the postseason and win 20 games and 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 make a run in their postseason tournament. <laughs> I mean, I saw, you know, I, I have to tell you, I saw NJIT when they were real bad, when they had that, you know, when Jimmy Angles first started and they had it, they couldn't win a game. They lost 50-something games. And, but I always thought, I saw the stuff they ran. And I always, and I told Jim Angles this, I think, you know, first time I covered him, second time, I saw, I said, this team, this team runs good stuff. They just don't have the personnel yet. And sure enough, they got the personnel, which is hard because it's hard to get into NJIT. You know, it's a good school. So they had to figure it out, who they can get into the school, and they finally got the personnel. And, man, and they're fun to watch. You know, I mean, nobody recruited Damon Lynn. I mean, look how good he is, Damon Lynn. Oh. He, 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 I saw him in high school. I thought he was good. I didn't think he'd be a Division One star. So it's a great story. Um, they deserve to be in a conference. Uh, you know, I, I wish it would be nice if they were in a local conference for us so we could see him more. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll eventually get there. But for now, I mean, it's, any conference is great. And... They, I think they have a chance to win that conference. Now, I can't say I can't say I'm an Atlantic Sun expert. Uh, I know there's, you know, North Florida. There's a couple of teams that uh, Florida Gulf Coast that were good that have returned people. But um, they're going to be in the top three teams. They got a chance to win it, and make the NCAA tournament, and you know what? We deserve it. New Jersey, the long-suffering New Jersey college basketball media, deserves an NCAA tournament team. So, <laughs> so let's see it happen. I remember, yeah. you know, I remember seeing you and. I'm in year one of doing this, Jerry. Year one. 
and I'm walking in MSG. Uh, we're actually walking out after the uh, Sterling Gibbs buzzer beater in 2013, and I'm walking out, and I'm, I'm I wasn't walking, I was running around, and you, JP Pelsman, and uh, then the great Brendan Prunty, the Star Ledger, were all perky. And a Madison Square Garden uh, security guard goes to me. He goes, "Man, you're doing great." He goes, "But I've never seen these guys behind you smile." And, <laughs> and uh, all I hear, all I hear, you and Brendan say is, "We've never been to day three, and you have been." Yeah. It's just like we haven't been there in so long. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 uh here, here's the thing, you know, the, I can't speak for some of these dysfunctional media like the ones that cover the Knicks or the, or the Jets. But I can tell you for sure, <laughs> the college basketball media wants these teams to win in the worst way. And listen, we're going to do our job, be objective, and tell you like it is. But it'd be nice to have a winner because it's just good for everybody. And so, I mean, of course, of Seton Hall, Rutgers, I, I want these teams to be good. It's better for me if they're good. If they're, I have more readers, it's more interesting, it's more fun to walk into a winning locker room to deal with a winning coach. I mean, it's just more fun. So, yeah, I mean, so if NJIT is going to be good, we're going to embrace them. And that's kind of what happened a little bit. And so, you know, I don't know. Are we going to, is, is the team's going to be good this year? I mean, like I said, the outlook looks it's, it's sketchy after the way they finish. But, yes, it's fun when the team – it's fun for the writers. It's fun for the fans when the team is good. And we've suffered. We've paid our dues. It's time. Let's look across the country. Who do you think is the best team in America entering 2015-16? I'll probably put North Carolina on my uh, number one on my preseason ballot. I mean, you know, Marcus Page is so good, and and they have the, probably the best combination of of talent and experience. Um, so I'll probably put them one. Uh, I know people will put Kentucky first. I just to me when you turn and they do have three players back, but when you know when you turn over so much, when you lose so much, to me you got to prove it again. And so let me see them prove it again. And I don't, I know there's good players coming in. Is there a crawl count coming in? I doubt it. Um, I know they have one very good player who, you know, I don't know if he's going to be eligible, but they have some good players. But, but I got to see them prove it. So are they going to be in my top five? Yes. Are they going to be one? No. I'm going to probably go with Carolina. I'm very high on Virginia. Maryland's going to be the, you know, Maryland should be the class of the Big Ten. Uh, there's a couple of big time players. Iowa State. Back. Yeah, probably top five. I mean, they got they got the All American nying back, so they'll be a top five. They do have a coaching transition, although the, the guy coming in is very good, accomplished um, from. So uh, I think they'll, you know, but I like I like Virginia. I like that they bring. They only lost one big piece. It was a big piece, but they bring back another All American, Brogdon. They have you know the style they play just wins games. It grinds out wins. So probably Carolina is the best team. I mean, they have. They have the pedigree, they have the experience, they have they have a big time star, and they have the roster loaded with talent. I would say they're going to be my number one as of now. Jerry, some rapid fire questions in our final minute. The team in the New York or New Jersey area, uh, let's exclude the ones that we talked about: Seton Hall, Rutgers, and NJIT. Uh, give me a team that you think right now not enough people are looking at, but heading into this season, you see starting to take the next steps to becoming real legitimate. Well, I I was thinking about this actually. I thought you might ask this. Uh, the I think that the team, the best team in the area, and not just the team with the best chance to make the tournament, but the best team in the New York, New Jersey area might be possibly the Columbia. Um, wow. Because, yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, they 
They they could win the Ivy League, and the Ivy League is not it's not the Ivy League of old. This is a good Ivy League. I mean, you've seen what Harvard's done. No, it's a good league. You've seen Yale play. Yale's very good. So I mean, you you know, Princeton's going to be good. Return three or four key players. Um, but Columbia, I don't know. I think they they seem to be like the boutique pick right now to win that league or be a sleeper in that league. The kid Lowe, um, that that guard, uh, is is uh, from Germany. He's 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 very very good. So you know he can play anywhere. So they have experience. Um, they've just never done anything. So no one's going to buy in. It's hard to buy in in August to a program that's never done anything. That's been so far off the map. But uh, I don't know. I think they they could be really good. So I would say them. I would say watch out for them. I, I just don't think you know St. John's is going to total rebuild. Um, you know, Stony Brook will be good. I mean, they have, you know, Warney's terrific. They fit, came so close to win that league. Um, you know, like we said, Seton Hall is a nucleus, but a lot of questions, especially in the league they play in. So, uh, yeah, JIT will be, they'll be good in their league, too. I don't know. Just to throw it out there now. You heard it here first in August, Columbia, which, by the way, John, little-known fact, is my second alma mater. And wow, really, I did not know it's that. It's the one uh, graduate school there, and it's the, so I can root openly for Columbia. So I can't, I, you know, I have to play a professional with the all, but I can openly root for the Lions. So I'm a, maybe I'm a shill. We'll see. <laughs> I was just thinking the Pirates will feel a little bit more smart, uh, rather smarter. <laughs> Look at me make the grammar error. You can tell I haven't been in school for three months. Uh, we'll feel smarter on November 13th when Dartmouth comes in to the Rocks. Jerry. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the kind. Listen, that's the kind of game you you should open with. I mean, that's that's fine to open with. Absolutely, the schedule gets, I absolutely agree. It gets it gets quick. You know, it gets quick and it gets good in a hurry. Seton Hall's got a stretch at the end of November going into December that, that's going to be tough, and that's going to we'll, we'll get a first good taste of what the team's got. Hey, I love opening weekend a Walsh Gym game. I know how much oh, you love, love that game, love and that's. This time it's opening weekend against Wagner. Uh, it doesn't matter about the opponent, but it's to have it opening weekend. That'll be fun. And the next night at Walsh Gym is Seton Hall Rutgers in women's action. So yeah, I know what I'm you so think glad. about Anthony Bazella as well. Oh, I'm so glad they're playing that game, Seton Hall and Rutgers. I'm so glad. And Seton Hall earned that game. You know, they, they earned that game by being good and by getting a good program and not only building a good program, and but also building a program that people are excited about. And, you know, Tony gets a lot of credit for that because he really – He's a good salesman. He's a terrific front man. And, uh, you know, the results last year speak for themselves. But it's a great game for New Jersey women's basketball. And there's no reason why New Jersey women's basketball can't be really, really good, not just Rutgers, but you saw with Princeton also and Seton Hall because the talent coming out of this area is so good. So that's exciting. But I want to say something about Walsh. When I, I love it. and I'm, I'm so thankful that Kevin Willard has brought that game back to Walsh once a year because it's such a great setting. When I was – you know, growing up, I attended Seton Hall games, but in the Meadowlands. And when I got to college in 90, the fall of 91, they used to play a game or two in Walsh every year. And it was a treat. It was a treat. And those were great teams, as you know, top ten teams with Terry DeHare and Jerry Walker. And it was such a treat to see them play in, in that close environment, and I really missed it. So it's, I absolutely love it that they play a game there a year. And I like it even better in November. It was nice during Christmas week, but it's even better in November. What better way to get everybody fired up about college basketball than in that environment? And, John, can you imagine back in the day the John Thompson Hoyas and Pearl Washington and Syracuse and, and and Chris Mullen, they all came to that gym. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Oh, I'm sweating right now thinking about it. <laughs> I bet. We have a towel. Yeah, that is absolute 
craziness. I need the John Thompson towel right about now. Jerry, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to do it again. I already know Big East uh, Media Day. I, I know for sure that's definitely one of the first times I'll see, if not before then, for Seton Hall practice or wherever it may be. But always a pleasure to have you, and we'll definitely do it again. Who knows when, but you're always a pleasure. Thank you. John, you're the best. Have me on any time. I'll see you in a few weeks. Jerry Carino, everybody, on Late Night Hoops. That wraps it up for our show and for the week. We'll be back next week with some more of the headlines from the summer and looking ahead to the college basketball season. We hit up the New York, New Jersey area. Next week, we're going out west. We're going down south. We did that a little bit earlier this week, but it's time to go way, way, way out west. How will Sean Miller's Arizona Wildcats be? Well, I can tell you right now, I am huge on Sean Miller, and I've been huge on him since he started uh, back in his Xavier days. I can tell you right now, he's right up there with the best of the best in college basketball coaches. I'll explain why next week. All that and more on Late Night Hoops. Go to collegehoopsdigest.com for all the podcasts and more. I'm John Fanta. Thanks to Jerry Carino for joining us. Good night, everybody. Have a good weekend, and keep thinking about the madness.